Hello, you're listening to Our Walk, the podcast that speaks to real people with real stories about a real God. Each episode is split into three parts. You've got part one, which is the beginning, where you grew up, what your family life was like, and your childhood in general. Part two, the moment or moments you encountered God and how you changed. And part three, the transformation. What has happened since you met God and he came into your life? I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Luke Emmett, and we would really encourage you to get in touch with us. Email ourwalkpod at gmail.com. Twitter, we're on at ourwalkpod. And on Facebook, search ourwalkpod. This week, we're speaking to Jamie. So, Luke, how are you doing, mate? I'm <laughs> really good because I'm. We are joined today by Jamie Matthews, who happens to be one of my closest and greatest friends. Um, and wherever we're in the room together, you can always expect many, many laughs from me and him. Isn't that right, Jamie? <laughs> that's that's very true. Yeah, <laughs> it's already started. I predict giggles throughout this. To be there, honest, there will be. <laughs> there will be like obviously the listeners here. You know, can't see us. I'll I'll probably look at Jamie. He'll say something. I'll start laughing. Then he'll start laughing. And we'll be here for five minutes. This is going to be a long podcast. Yeah. Um, well, it'll be good yes. anyway. Yeah. Well, in Jamie, we're going to start very briefly with in two weeks' time, you will not be as you currently are. Yes, I will be getting married on the 14th of April. So in two weeks' time, you're going to be a husband. Yeah, that's a big thing, isn't it? It is a big thing. It's a big deal. It's exciting. Hey, hey, in two weeks' time, (laughs) I'm going to be a best man. That's true. You're already a best man. Oh, yeah. You will have given your speech, though, which is exciting. Yeah, that's true. I'm good Mm. at speeches. By this time, you will have given it. Wow. Wow, I'm scared. You're I'm more nervous than him. Booed off stage and booed off stage. There isn't stages. I don't think we're using the stage. Okay. Uh, okay. Might do. Might put about. you up on there. We could do. I'd I'd love the stage. You probably should. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, cool. Should we should we start? Let's get going. So, Jamie, how did you grow up? <laughs> uh, so I was born here in Reading. Uh, it's my parents. They're both together. They were they were grown up as Christians. I was brought into the church from as young as I can remember and grew up as a Christian. Um, my childhood was, I would say, a very good one. Uh, my parents were pretty well off. I sort of lived in a large house. School was good for me in, well, primary school, so from ages 4 to 11. Uh, I was very popular at school. Uh, I really enjoyed learning. Um... Yeah, basically, I had a really positive sort of first 10 or 11 years of my life. Um, and then things kind of took a bit of a change when I went to secondary school. Uh, when I got to secondary school, I found it difficult to fit in with the kids. Uh, kids bullied me. I was quite emotional and found it difficult to kind of cope with the, the change and usually found myself hanging out with the older kids at school uh, who were three or four years older than me just to kind of, I don't know, find someone who was on a similar maturity level to me maybe. Um, and that's kind of how I started secondary school at the age of 11. Uh, and as I kind of went through the years at school, I really kind of struggled with, with bullying. I got bullied a lot at school because I, I hit puberty a lot later than a lot of the boys there. Uh, and that wasn't, that wasn't the best thing for me. Uh, and being a Christian, I was trying to be, it's boring to use the word kind and nice, but that's kind of what I was doing where I was trying to be the, the good kid, the kind of the role model. And that wasn't the cool thing to do at school. 
Um, so yeah, I used to have kids sort of pick on me. I used to sort of get pushed around a bit because I was a small kid. It was easy to push me around. I wouldn't retaliate. I was I was a very easy target. Um, yeah, it was it was just a bit of a, a rough start to secondary school, and things didn't really get much better. Uh, by the time that I was all about fifteen or sixteen, the bullying really kind of took a toll on me. I remember having really sort of negative thoughts towards myself. I remember feeling really shy. When I was younger at primary school, I was much more confident. Um, I was really outgoing and really smiley and happy, and that kind of really vanished over over the time that I was at secondary school. Um, and yeah, it reached a point where I was getting pretty depressed, actually. It reached a point where I was having suicidal thoughts. Not I never acted on them, but I would look actively for ways of, like, if I was by a train station, I would think, oh, I could jump in front of this train, like... Uh, it, it really kind of, yeah, it progressed to a, to a state where I just wasn't happy with myself. Um, school was still going well and I was getting good grades. Um, I enjoyed being around my friends, but at home I would actively avoid people around the house. I would wait in a room until people would walk down the corridor and then I would leave sort of after they'd gone. Um, I just wasn't in a very good state of mind uh, during this sort of period, uh, and it kind of, it, it got worse, so, uh, during sixth forms, when I was 16, 17, my parents decided to leave the church that I'd been at my whole life, and they moved to Lifespring, which is where Steve and Luke are from, uh, and I tried out Lifespring, and it, it wasn't for me, I found it challenging, I found it weird, it was, it was too different to what I knew, uh, so I decided to go into a different church, that was a bit a bit more toned down, a little bit more what I was interested in. Um, and I, I found it struggled to fit in. I remember the first time I went, I went by myself to an evening service. Um, and by this point, I'd really kind of pulled myself away from people. I really struggled with people my own age. Uh, I had friends at school, but I really struggled to, to speak to strangers and kind of uh, express myself socially, I guess. Uh, and I remember this first evening that I went to this church, I was actively looking for people my own age and someone to talk to me and to kind of, uh, to kind of get a bit of a grip on, on uh, achieving something socially and making friends. And I remember being there and no one talking to me, me trying and trying to sort of uh, push my way into conversations maybe and, and no one talked to me. And I remember walking home that night crying, thinking that no one, no one liked me and that it wasn't going to work at this church. Um, and uh, I think probably a couple of weeks later, I tried going to a youth club there and uh, I got to know some people. Um, and I guess that was good. I actually made some friends um, and, and that was really positive, but it never felt like people were very invested in me. I remember the, the leaders of the church there weren't particularly interested in my, I had a lot of problems going on back around this time. So, uh, so yeah, there was all the depression and stuff. Uh, it reached a stage where I'd kind of turned to metal music. And I want to be clear here that metal music isn't anti-Christian. There are plenty of really good Christian metal bands um, and, and really skilled people who've got God's making them use their gifts for him. Um, but I was listening to some really negative music where it was really making me feel empowered in a way that I was feeling so closed off from people and so so empty that I'd listen to this music that would really kind of hype me up and make me feel like I was big, like I was strong. and. But, but deep down that wasn't the case at all. Um, and there were plenty of other problems going on where I was just feeling so lonely and, and lost. Um, 
shortly before this time, I'd actually I'd left school. I was I I was failing school, uh, sixth form. I, and my grades had dropped, and I was struggling there. Um, I was feeling really kind of. One of my friends decided to get an apprenticeship in IT, uh, doing computer stuff. I looked into that as an option, and managed to get myself an apprenticeship in software development. Uh, so I actually left school early at the age of 17 and got into a really good high-paying job to teach me how to learn how to program. Mm -hmm. So at this point in time, I was doing extremely well in my work. Um, but outside of work, I was completely falling apart. My life consisted of doing almost nothing. I wasn't, because I'd left school by this point, I didn't have many friends except for the, the few that I kind of gained at church. Um... And that wasn't at Lifespring, that was that at was the other that, that was at the other, yeah, so this mm. was before I joined Lifespring, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I was just filling my time watching YouTube, I played a lot of video games, but I wouldn't really leave the house except for work. Um, and I, I kind of, yeah, really pulled myself away from social interaction, except for Wednesday and Sunday when I'd see these people at church. Um, and, yeah, I was continuing to listen to this music, and that was having a really negative effect on my life. Uh, I, yeah, things really sort of got out of hand. Uh, and then it reached the point where all my friends from this church went off to university because they were 18 and I hit 18. And then there was no need for me to go to this church anymore because, well, well there was a need, but I, I didn't see a need to go because there wasn't anyone there that I knew particularly. Mm. Um, and these people stopped talking to me as soon as they left for university. I felt very cut off and that didn't help with the whole struggling to be social, coping with people type situation. Uh, so basically I just stopped going to church. That was that was my solution, which was not good in the slightest. It meant that I think for a six month period, I didn't speak to anyone my own age um, and just spent my entire time at home just on YouTube playing video games. Pretty much replaced all social interaction with pornography, which was pretty bad. That was kind of just how I coped. I would do that, and that would feel like I had a social interaction in a weird way, mm. and that became extremely addictive. And, yeah, basically I had a black hole in my life that I was kind of just chucking loud screaming music about being on top and being the best and pornography and chucking all in this hole thinking I could fill it, and it it, it was a God-sized hole, basically. Only God could fill that hole, and, and I wasn't getting any better. That was, that was me at that point, mm. and... Yeah, I pretty much reached my my lowest at like, yeah, eighteen, close to nineteen, where I was just I was just my life was so static. I wasn't doing anything. Work was going extremely well, but I just wasn't progressing in my day to day life at home at all. I remember thinking, being, I'm quite a goal orientated person. I've always wanted to uh, to progress in uh, in my life. I wanted to get a house. I wanted to have a wife by a certain age. I looked at myself and I was like, I'm not gonna do that because I'm not doing anything with my life except for going to work and coming home and then wasting my time doing absolutely nothing and uh, I think that's really where it kind of hit me that was my lowest of my low where I'm, I'm not doing anything with my life and I haven't got any friends and I'm, I'm just I'm just existing really it wasn't like I was doing much more and I was so like broken so depressed with what was going on uh yeah that was that's kind of like that's the up to my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's up to adulthood. Yeah, that's wow. Like, I, I, <laughs> no, but you know, being 
best friends with you. You know, I, I know we've only known each other for uh, just about two years or over two years and stuff. And I've heard, you know, your stories before. But yeah, you've uh, really depicted uh, your testimony on this podcast now in a way that's... I don't know, what's eye-opening, I don't know, but just in a different light. Um, so backtracking <clears throat> uh, through what you just said, was there any point in your life, so you said that you you grew up in a Christian family, so mm. you've been going to church most of your life at this point. Um, how was your understanding of all of it, all of Christianity and God and stuff? So, growing up as a Christian, as a young child, I was very interested in God, I would do Bible reading notes, my parents really set me up. I think by the time I was 11, I got baptised, like I was pretty committed to that, to, to God, I was committed to my faith. Uh, and I think just being at school and all the bullying, especially, it felt like I was targeted because I was a Christian. No one ever explicitly would say, you're a Christian, I'm going to bully you for that or anything like that. But it felt like the things that I did because I was a Christian, whether that was not swearing or whether that was not playing violent video games, kids would bully me for that. And it felt like me being a Christian was the cause of my bullying. Mm. Um, and I think sort of, yeah, so sort of after I got baptised, it got a lot harder. And eventually it really kind of pushed out my faith and it reached the stage where, well, I think I kind of, I felt so sort of lost in what I was doing and where I was at that I felt God wasn't relevant to my situation anymore, that God couldn't pull me out of that because, I don't know, I was so lost, I'd, I'd pushed, I felt I, a very controlling person where I like to have control over a situation, I felt like I'm going to be better at doing my life than God is because I'm, I'm great at stuff, I'm, mm -hmm. I like being able to handle it mm -hmm. and I basically withdrew my entire life from God and took it into my own hands and it didn't really go where I wanted it to go, it kind of put me in a, a really bad situation. Um, and yeah, I think, yeah, I really sort of pulled away from God. And I kind of knew that he was there, but I almost felt embarrassed to talk to him because I was like, I'm in a bad state and man, has God got time to deal with me? I don't know, probably not. And yeah, it just led to me really withdrawing <laughs> from my faith and, and Christianity and, and the church. Bit of a guilt cycle, isn't it? I a guess. little you bit, kind of yeah. Got your place, self into a place where <coughs> you felt a bit guilty for what was happening in yeah. your life, and then you felt so guilty you couldn't then go to God with it, and kind of just a continuous cycle. Um, so you mentioned you would go to work and you were successful and happy at work, and then you come home and kind of cut yourself off. Did you f ever feel like you were like almost professional Jamie and home Jamie, like two kind of separate kind of people? I think so, yeah. I mean, even around the office, I would avoid people. If someone was in the kitchen, I would wait for them to leave and then I'd go into avoid conversation. Um, but yeah, I, I think my time at work was quite easy because at that stage, I wasn't doing any projects. It was more just me building up my skills. So it was quite independent. So it meant that I wasn't interacting with many people and it was quite easy for me to be successful in the sense that it was all based on me teaching myself and me learning. Um, and during this time as well, I started some personal projects uh, from what I was learning at work, at home, and that was making me lots of money. So it wasn't it wasn't based on anything materialistic, particularly that this depression and this stuff was coming from. Because I think the thing that I struggled with most when I when I sort of started suffering from depression was there was no in my head there was no reason why I should feel this way because I had everything I needed material materialistically. 
and I have a great parents, I have great family, and they all love me a lot, so I had everything I needed, and yet, for a very long time, I didn't think I should be depressed, I sort of almost didn't believe it myself, that I was, I was sort of falling, because I should be fine, that people who are depressed should be people who are, who are in a much worse state than me, is what I, I was thinking at the time, and I wouldn't admit it to myself, almost, um... Eventually, it reached a point where I kind of knew that something wasn't right, that, that there were these bad thoughts going on in my head towards harming myself or, or avoiding people or whatever. And I think it was at that point I really kind of knew that something was up. So, so what, <coughs> pardon me, what kind of changed from primary school to secondary school? Because I'm interested in, obviously, you started in primary school, you're happy, outgoing, mm. friendly, popular, and then suddenly secondary school and bullying kind of started I'm interested in kind of how yeah. it transitioned into that I guess you probably might not know but I think yeah it's, it's weird I think I was in like a really great primary school class where it was very multicultural everyone was nice to each other and being a nice friendly kid meant a lot to people because they saw it as as someone they could rely on and someone who could give them good advice or whatever um and yeah, I think as soon as I sort of hit secondary school, I didn't, not many of my primary school friends sort of moved over with me. When I moved into my, my year seven class, actually, there wasn't anyone there that I, I knew particularly, I think. So I was having to make a whole new set of friends, which wasn't a skill that I really had to use for a while because I'm the sort of person who much prefers having one or two really close friends rather than lots of less close friends. Mm. And I'd have the same friends during primary school from start to finish. So I was now given the task of you've got to make some new friends. Here you go. Here's a bunch of people, and and these kids were difficult. I remember just I found it difficult to relate to them. I remember them wanting to get in trouble and that not relating to what I wanted to do. Yeah, I think I I, I just remember the kids picked on me because I I remember feeling I was really emotional as a child, and if circumstances were uncomfortable or difficult for me, I would end up just crying in class. And kids didn't want to hang out with a kid who was crying because that wouldn't look good on them. I can understand why, but it, it didn't help my my mm. perception of myself. It made me kind of feel less comfortable. And and even though I was doing well at school, it felt like a lot of the kids didn't like me. Mm. Um, and you th- and that was mostly because of your Christian upbringing. I wouldn't do you think I wouldn't say that it was explicitly because I was a Christian, but I think a lot of people found me an easy target because I wasn't going to retaliate. If someone pushed me or something, I wasn't going to push them back because that's not the Christian thing to do. Yeah. And I found it very difficult to stand up for myself. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was, as I said, I was a small kid. I wasn't tall and I wasn't, I wasn't strong or anything. So if a kid pushed me, there wasn't much I could do anyway. It wasn't like I could. There wasn't any threat to them that I was going to do anything. Um, and it wasn't even, for a while, it wasn't even like big bullying it was just lots of kids would do lots of little things like they would take my pencil case or or you know they'd kind of just say some mean words and it it never was anything significant no one was explicitly being really horrible like the bullies you see in like tv shows and movies but because so many kids were doing it it made me feel like I was surrounded by it all that I couldn't really escape in the classroom and I did have good friends uh during during school but yeah it I mean, they were good to me, of course, but it still didn't stop the mm. other five, ten boys in each class that were that were difficult to deal with. Um, 
Yeah, I guess it all just adds up, doesn't it? The yeah, difference. yeah. If and they add every day, it all adds up. and Yeah, and over a couple of years, of course, it just... yeah. It kind and of especially at that age as well, you know, as a fragile age for anyone. Yeah. So, yeah. <coughs> so, Jamie, you've said earlier that when you came back home, you'd sort of try and avoid your family as possible, like, you, you know, you'd walk out when you knew everyone was in a room or something. Yeah. Um, was there any moments where you were able to talk to them about what was going on in your life and your mind? And if not, was there anyone that you were talking to at the time? I think during this time, so I, I didn't really... F I think my friends kind of knew what was going on. They saw what was happening, but I don't feel like they felt it was... They didn't feel like they needed to intervene particularly. They wouldn't... I mean, and they would if it got a bit to our hand, but they, when it's just little comments, it's very easy to let that slip, and I understand that. Um, with my parents, I think they kind of knew that I was having a tough time at school, but mm. I don't, th I mean, there were times when they sort of contacted teachers when I asked them to, but there wasn't much they could do because once again, when it, when it's just little remarks from lots of people, it's very difficult to, to find something big enough to kind of take it to a teacher with. Um, I remember with, when I started getting depressed and finding it difficult, I, I didn't really speak to my parents about it a lot because it was it was something that I wasn't really sure about myself. It was it was something new and different, and I, I knew that I shouldn't feel this way. It wasn't something I'd ever been prepared for. Um, so, for like I said, a long time, I was kind of in denial about it all and, and didn't believe that I was really experiencing this. Um, and I remember there was one time when it was too difficult for me to vocalise it to my parents, but I wrote them a letter saying, I'm struggling, I'm not doing well. Um, but be yeah, because I wasn't willing to speak to to um, my friends about it and there wasn't really any role models at my church at all at the time it, it meant that I stored up a lot of it mm. I, there wasn't much that I really wanted to express to my parents and I wasn't really sure what outcome there would be if I did tell my parents really so a lot of it just kind of was internalised and bottled up so. and you kind of vented it through your music and other things yeah, yeah. so are we, should we move on? Are you ready to move on? Any other questions, Luke? Don't think so. No? Yeah. Anything else you want to say? No? Good. Right, let's move on to part two. And we're back. Um, so we just learnt in part one about Jamie's childhood, um, going up to the age of 17, 18. Uh, struggling with school, with bullies, with depression, uh, putting all that into metal music, listening to it, and uh, pornography, uh, not really expressing it in the best of ways. So now we come to part two when it is um, how you came to encounter God or moments of encountering God, you know, the, the progress of it all. So Jamie, where, where, when did this all happen? When did you uh, reconnect with God? Uh, so... So during sort of the end of this, this time, I'd, my dad had really been pressuring me to sort of get back to church. I think he felt quite responsible that, that I'd sort of fallen away from church and I wasn't a part of what the rest of my family was doing. Um, so I'd started going along to a Bible study group that he was going along to. Um, I'd been going quite... I'd been going consistently for, for sort of a couple of months on a Monday evening. And I remember we had this talk where we were talking about fears and fears have always been quite a large part of my life. They cause a lot of anxiety and they really sort of held me down, especially during this time during depression where I was avoiding people and, and all this stuff. 
Um, and I said my biggest fear was change during this Bible study. I said that I really like everything being the same and things not altering me, having a schedule and keeping to it and things that are dynamic or, or changing or I can't expect. I find that really difficult. I said like, oh, one day I'll kind of get used to it. I'll, I'll try something different. I'll, but that's for another day. That's, that's not for today. And I really kind of, you know, I, I kind of said my piece and I wasn't, I didn't think too much of it. It was something that I knew that in the future I'd probably have to deal with, but not in the coming days or anything. Um, and my dad, uh, as part of Life Spring Church, they have a, uh, a trip to Bogota in Colombia, uh, like a big uh, church conference yeah. uh, with how many people? 200,000? 100,000 or more. I'm yeah. Not, I remember. So yeah, it's a lot of people. Um, and he'd been asking me for, a, I think a month or two before this, whether I would join him to this trip to Colombia. And I'd been telling him, no, no, I'm not interested. Uh, mostly due to me having a huge fear of flying and going to different countries. I really hated... I've, I've always struggled when going on holiday, going to new countries. It's always been a, a big challenge for me. Um, and in my mind, I was like, that's never going to happen. Uh, I don't want to do this, especially somewhere so far where it was a 13-hour flight. Uh, in my mind, it was not going to happen. Um, and I think the day after we'd had this Bible study talk where I'd said my biggest fear was, was change. My dad asked me again, will you go to Bogota with me? And I kind of felt a bit convicted that I'd settled this stuff saying that, oh, one day I'll get better. Uh, that if I turned him down now, I would look like I was backing down from what I said the day before, that I wasn't committed and that I was almost a fraud to what I'd said. So weirdly enough, while I was sitting in a meeting, I just texted my dad back saying, yeah, sure, I'll come with you, whatever not expecting much of it, more just to get him off my case. I think it reached a point where I thought that I'd been <laughs> a, not the best son. I guess I hadn't been doing as many jobs as I've, I should have been doing towards my parents at that point and felt like maybe this would gain me some brownie points that that it might help recuperate some things with my dad and that he'll feel he'll feel like I'm making an effort or something. Uh, so a couple of months later, I'm on a flight to Bogota with people I don't know except for my dad not really ex not really sure what to expect actually I think was what how I was feeling I wasn't really sure what was going to come of it um and we get to Bogota and we go to the the first day of the conference and the first thing that hits me is there's a lot of people here like a hundred thousand people is insane considering in my class at school there weren't any Christians and at my church, there weren't ever many ch Christians my own age. Seeing the hordes of people, similar age to me, who were worshiping Jesus, it really struck me like, oh my gosh, I'm not a minority. Because I think that's how I'd felt the whole of secondary school, that being Christian wasn't cool, and why would you want to be a Christian? You just get bullied for it. Um, and it suddenly hit me, there are lots of people who are Christians, and you're not in a minority to, to be willing to worship Jesus and stand up for your faith. And through the talks of that week while we were in Bogota at this conference, the one that stood out to me most was the family one. Um, and it really convicted me, making me realise that I kind of stepped away from my family in, in the depression that I'd, that I'd avoided church. And I kind of, I think they kind of said that, yeah, when your family splits apart and, and leaves from the church, it has quite a big impact. And that really you need to have your whole family going to church. And it was a, a really significant teaching as part of the, the G12 vision. I remember in that moment thinking, 
I'm missing from life but I'm not with my family at the moment at this church and and that's wrong I need to I need to be going along to this church that's where where I belong um and also during this trip I I got to hang out with people like Luke. This was the first time I met Luke. Oh, was it? I don't remember that. Yeah, you do. Oh. Uh, and I met other people my own age. And I think you would say, Luke, the first, the first day that we sort of met each other, I was pretty pretty um, excluded from the situation. Like Definitely, uh, yeah. Um, because I remember one of people at uh, Life Spring Church beforehand saying, oh, we've got um, this, this guy, um, it's Richard's son, He's very shy and very quiet, but it'd be great if you could just, you know, get to know him a little bit. And I was like, yeah, sure. And then when we first met at Heathrow Airport, and then during, like, Miami and stuff, I was thinking, this is going to be a bit tough. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, I mean, there's no nice way to put it. I thought, yeah. how am I going to talk to this guy? This seems like a guy that's going to be like, I'll, I'll say, oh, yeah, how are you doing? You'll just be like, yeah, fine. And and nothing, you know, there'll be no conversation there. It'll just be me asking questions and you giving one-worded answers. Um, and I think it's fair to say the first couple of days it was a bit like that. Yeah. I don't think... I think it was taking me time to kind of get used to talking to people my own age again and kind of socialising and being with other people. Um, but I remember, particularly you, Luke, but also one of our friends, Emily, being really invested in me and asking questions and showing an interest. And it was the first time in a really long period where someone had actually taken an interest in who I was and what I was doing and it really kind of made me feel special and and that I was cared for in a way um, and that had a really big impact on on my situation and kind of where I stood with what I viewed of other people and mm. and stuff. Uh, so yeah, so from, from that conference, I basically decided to join Life Spring Church and come as a regular member. Um, feeling really good from Bogota actually it really kind of changed my perception of how things were and uh it really kind of pushed me in the right direction towards God I was kind of getting getting there um and the next big step for me was I think a month later at Lifespring they offered an encounter course um which is basically like a big sort of uh a study into who God is and really trying to connect with him which is something that I hadn't done in in such a long time it was I think I kind of expected it to not be that great, actually, from the outside. I remember thinking, oh, it's a long weekend. Am I really going to get anything from this? I don't really know anyone on the course. It's going to be a bit a bit weird. And from the first, the first evening, I remember being hit so hard where we were given a story. It was basically like a modern version of the, the son who leaves his dad with his inheritance and spends it all, and then uh, his dad welcomes him back home. It was a modern version of that, which I really related to. I really felt like I'd been missing and that I'd been wasting my life on materialistic things and looking for for uh, like a reason to live in the wrong things. And hearing this story, I was like, oh my gosh, God has been waiting for me to get back. Like I've been messing about and, and trying to live life my own way. And God, the whole time has been waiting for me to come back. Uh, so right from the get-go of this course, this weekend-long course, I was already like, oh my gosh, I've learned so much. I'm doing so much better with God already. Um, and as the the weekend progressed, I've made leaps and bounds worth of of progress back from where back from when I was like eleven or twelve, where I was with God, where I'm like, oh, God loves me, uh, and I'm doing I'm doing much better now. Like, there's no re there's no need for me to feel upset and depressed because I've kind of I was starting to rediscover my purpose in life, I think, and realizing realizing what I should be doing with myself in my free time. Uh, I remember on the the last day, I'd, I I was 
<laughs> it's funny that I'm I'm always sort of very pessimistic about these things, but I was thinking, oh, I've had so much, there's, there's not any more that I can get from this this course. And we had a Holy Spirit moment where we were trying to hear from the Holy Spirit uh, something. And from my previous experiences at church, we'd never really done Holy Spiritual stuff. It was, that was not something that I'd really been taught about at church. And it was completely new to be actually quite scary. I found this quite a, a weird concept, um, which probably didn't help me think this was going to produce any results, I guess. Um, so I sit down, I'm trying to sort of get into the, the zone, I guess, with the Holy Spirit. And suddenly the word mask flickered into like my vision, I guess, or into my mind. I was thinking, God, what does this mean? What, is, what's, what do you mean by mask? And suddenly it hits me, God saying, I didn't need to have this mask on that I was, I'd been wearing for the past three or four years where I was hiding all my emotion behind it and, and trying to keep like a straight face when really inside I was feeling awful and really like broken inside. It was a way of God saying, remove that mask and expose yourself who you really are. Allow yourself to be emotional and, and to connect with people and not to try and hide behind this. Uh, and that that was insane for me because it was something that I don't know it was something that I just being told that being told that I should do that by God was insane to me because it was something that I hadn't done in in four years or something I imagine uh so suddenly I'm feeling like I've I, I'm free almost it was like I was been set free from this this curse that I put on myself um and that's really kind of, that weekend really had a huge impact on my growth of God and reconnecting back. Um, and that kind of started me continuing to go back to the church more consistently. I'd be going every week. Um, and that really kind of, yeah, got me back with God. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> that sounds like you, in my head, that feels like you had, like you'd been plugged in. Hmm. Someone had unplugged you at some point you know, whatever, and then it kind of, you've been like a lamp left there, kind of unplugged, yeah. and then suddenly, being plugged back in, light's gone on, bam, like, filling a room it, with light. It, and... it felt like that, it, it kind of felt like, at that time, I was thinking, Jamie's back, like, I'm back as myself, I can kind of be who I am, and I don't have to feel like, I have to ignore people, or try and hide my personality, I think, because I think, with all the bullying from school, I really felt like I I couldn't be me, because people didn't like me, I got bullied for that, so time to just be the most generic boring person that didn't have any kind of feeling or anything you could like get anything from because it meant that I wasn't a target in any way and being told that I didn't need to be like that really opened me back up to who I was and and brought me out of my shell okay cool great thank you very much let's move on to part three and discuss what's happened since you've been plugged back in And we're back for part three. So we just learnt um, how Jamie encountered God, the progress um, and everything in that time, in that period. So now we get to part three is that what, what's changed in your life? Um, one thing is that you've got me in your life as one of your best friends. <laughs> it's so. pretty significant actually. Yeah, is it? No, no, no joke, it's quite significant. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. That's cute. I, one other transformation that is, I've noticed is you have a much shorter fringe nowadays. That's true. Although I'm pretty sure when I first met you, you had some long. Yeah, he true. did. That didn't go for a while though. Actually, I was still being grown out in mm. early ice cream days. Also, another um, transformation in your life is that Steve was part of your life as well. That you got to know him. It's true. 
Yeah. Oh, thanks for bringing me into it. Thanks, That's all right. Also, another transformation in your life is that, well, you tell us. Do you fancy doing the segment? I felt like you were doing the segment for me. Yeah. We'll we'll do this bit for you. Don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. You can go get a cup of tea. Okay, sure. Cool. So, Jamie, no, you you go. It's your... Uh, So, I think, like, right off the bat, God was like... I think I think the thing that I've learned after the past two years of being more connected with God, going to Life Spring, is that God really like wants to bless you and reward you. Um, and during sort of the time that I was at school, and while well, during the time I was at work, I really wanted to have like a relationship. I really wanted to feel like I was connected with someone, and it just didn't really happen. I just not being popular at school meant that the choice of girls was non-existent. Uh, and a week after my encounter. Uh, I met this girl called Emma. Hi, Emma, if you're listening. She's, uh, she's my now fiancé, who we will be getting married to in two weeks. Wow. So uh, I met Emma, and she was pretty awesome. Uh, and I think that was kind of like God's way of, like, this is how we're going to get him locked into church. We're going to put, like, a, an interest there, <laughs> and that will keep him coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so she was a huge part of me, like, coming to Lifespring... Um, and encouraging me to come along, her being like almost like a reward to go along and get to see her and hang out. Um, I feel like God definitely planted her in my life as like a reward for coming back to him. Like, okay, you're you're back on track, you're now on track of my plan, and your plan is to get to know Emma and to well, eventually marry her, um, which was pretty awesome. Uh, and so sort of during this time, Emma was also really helping me kind of discover who I was again and was really helping me kind of build myself up and kind of get a better grasp of who I needed to be as a person rather than this sort of very empty shell of a person I was sort of four or five months before knowing her. Um, And also during this time, I really kind of got committed in doing church activities. So um, even to this day, I'm still helping doing the... uh, the visuals at our church service so be on the computer putting up the the words and stuff I really enjoyed doing that um me and Emma have started doing the Pavilion Cinema Club which is a uh once a month we show a, a free movie and invites the community into our church and kind of gets them familiar with kind of the building and we'll be advertising other church events on hoping that it'll kind of lead them lead them on to gain a faith and, and get to know Jesus uh, so that's been quite a significant thing that, that I've been running in the church, which is something that I never could have could have done in my past, where I had such social anxiety and really struggled with strangers. Suddenly, I'm putting myself out in a putting myself in like a role where it's it's quite high intensity when you're trying to play a movie for a hundred people or whatever. It doesn't sound so significant, but for me, I it was I would have really struggled to have done that sort of a year, uh, well, a, a couple of years ago before I was going to Life Spring. Um, and I think like my personality's really developed as well. Um, I'm much better at being able to talk to people. I'm, I'm not the most outgoing person. I'm definitely not suddenly a Luke Emmett here. But uh, you don't mean morphed into some massive extrovert. Or no, no. It's, but the transformation's there where I'm now able to do it, and I it doesn't make me feel super uncomfortable. I'm capable of doing that now, um, and it's not something that I'll actively try and avoid. So when I'm walking around the house, I will I more regularly spend time with my parents now, as, as an example, and and more happy to speak to siblings. And I don't know, I just feel like I've really kind of developed as a person over the past couple of years. And I, some of the fears I used to have, I used to have really irrational fears of going to the cinema 
when I was younger it used to be really difficult for me mm. so now I'm running a cinema club's pretty crazy and... yeah. I actually remember you saying that well no I, I remember you saying this but then I also remember the first time I asked you to come hang out with me and the, the group of friends that you're now part of was to go to the cinema and it's like oh you know just to look back and think yeah at that time he was probably you know really terrified <laughs> and it sounds really rational but yeah I used yeah. to have a real phobia of cinemas and avoided going to them for five six seven years of my life so that's something that I'm now capable of doing and me and you regularly go to cinema together mm-hmm. used to have a big fear of going to restaurants that used to be a really difficult task for me and now much better at doing that I can go and eat and it's still things that sometimes flare up it's not like I'm completely like okay with it there are still times when I'm like oh go to a restaurant but I'm much better at pushing myself to go to these things now and knowing that it will be okay and that I can get through it so I have a lot more confidence in myself from all this um Try to think of other so it things. hasn't been all rosy. Yeah, it's it's, it's still... not it's not like there's a hundred percent. It's still definitely things I got to work on in my life and that aren't a hundred percent. But I'm at a state now where I'm much more able to function in these situations rather than actively avoiding them and refusing to be a part of anything. Mm. It means that I will challenge myself and push myself, and I think that's that's one of the really significant parts about about life spring is when we have a cell leader and someone who we're accountable to. So I, I have James Holland, who I, I know has been mentioned many a time enough. Well, do you know what? He's going to love this because he's he always like, oh, I'll get a shout out every week. on. A, Genuinely, on I was like, how am I going to fit this in? I realised I still had yeah, to do it. Yeah. So James Holland, if you're listening. I was kind of hoping that you didn't just, you know, just yeah. to annoy him. But, uh, I love you, James, enough, but... Like, it is, but <laughs> I'll throw it in there for you, James. Uh, he, I'm accountable to James. He's my, like, my leader. He keeps uh, an eye on me at church to make sure I'm up to the right things. And he's he's really good at kind of focusing me and challenging me to push my boundaries and to serve God in better ways and to to achieve better things for God's kingdom, I think. Because if I'd been at previous churches or if I'd been in my old ways, I would never have pushed myself as much as I have. I'd be in a very static position where I'm not willing to try new things and not be willing to tell people about God and my faith. And now I feel so much more comfortable about that. I can do things that in the past would just be a no-go, would be a complete... It would be against what I would think would be okay for myself, that I would, I don't know, that I would have a breakdown or something because it was too terrifying for me to do. And suddenly now, with with my newfound trust in God and me being reconnected and then having the right people behind me who are willing to challenge me, it means that I'm much more comfortable in doing things I otherwise wouldn't. Mm. So, <clears throat> do you mind if I throw back to part one, where yeah. you, you mentioned a uh, black hole with music, pornography, depression, all this kind of stuff was going on. How yeah. how are they nowadays? Things are doing much better. Obviously, there are still things I struggle with. I still have sad days which are difficult to deal with, and depression isn't... It's, I think it's one of those things that's always going to be a constant battle, but yeah. I'm in such a better state than I was, and it's it's only ever a day or two. It's never... It's never long periods, um, but this black hole's been filled with God. It's got that that missing jigsaw piece almost uh, for God to fill it, and it means that I'm in a much happier place where I'm not feeling like I have to find things worldly things to fill it with. It means that I'm much more sort of confident in myself and my surroundings and the things that I've got. Um, it means that I'm just I'm just in a better place, you know, like. I'm I'm more happy with circumstances um, and how things are going. Um, and God's definitely got his eye on me. We've been blessed so heavily. So since we got engaged, me and Emma were able to buy a house, which at the time felt like an impossibility. 
and God hugely, it was a huge challenge for me to put my faith in God during this time. Um, I was trying fasting, fasting was something that I'd never tried before and that had huge payoff where things were moving slowly in the purchase of the house um, and when things were getting stressful. When, when I was there thinking there is no way we can buy this house because X, Y and Z aren't coming together or we don't have the funds or God just completely revealed himself to me when I was so lost in in trying to be a control freak over the situation. I would have to hand it over to God and God would make things progress and there would be success in it and every now and again during that process I would bring it back to myself and take control over and then I'd have to hand it back to God and then God would bring it through and amazingly we've got an amazing house that really I, I, I when I look back I'm not sure how we were able to do it because from the start it felt like it was an impossibility but I think God really has blessed us during this time uh, and with us doing things like fasting and we, we were um, tithing our money towards the church had a huge impact on on kind of the progress of that uh the purchase of the house so that was a, a really big challenge for me to kind of put put these uh put these practices into action to to really kind of progress things with god and have more faith and trust in him in circumstances so so on a closing note for this part then jamie i think well, what i'd like to ask you is how would you describe your relationship with god I'd say that it's it's much stronger than it was. I view God much more as something that I can rely on and is firm and solid. And sometimes I'll forget it. There's definitely examples where I, I think like, oh, I can do it at my strength. But I'm constantly being reminded that when I fall and when I'm not good enough, God always is. And I can fall back on that and trust and, and rely on God to complete the task in my day. Or when I'm having a tough time, God's there to cover me. Uh, God's almost like a safety blanket, I would say, for me. God's God's there protecting me and has his eye on me. And that's really important to my day-to-day life and moving forward. So, Jamie, as we do in every one of our podcasts, um, we get to this segment, which is uh, prayer requests, or what people, the listeners, what me and Steve can pray for you. So, uh, what would that be, exactly? Well, as you mentioned... There is the wedding coming up in less than two weeks. There's a wedding in two weeks? But you're the best man then, mate. Oh my <laughs> goodness! Uh, so just that that whole process goes well, that all of the planning that we've been doing and all the kind of setting up and getting ready sort of works out and everything goes well. Obviously me and Emma are quite stressed at the moment, kind of preparing for it all and everything. So just for work for us at the moment, just to sort of be more quieter and that we have more time to relax and kind of focus on on the wedding and getting that all all completed and that goes smoothly and spending time with family goes okay and then obviously uh, another big part is we're starting our own family so that that process is uh, something that we can get used to and living together and that being uh, a smooth kind of transition from what I'm used to with living with my parents um, so yeah 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 and we can find out uh, how all this uh, went all the wedding and all the family starting when we interview your wife on this podcast in the future. <laughs> I signed her up. Oh, oh she's oh, already been signed up. I signed her up. Okay, cool. yeah. There we go. Good. There you go. Um, so yeah, well, Jamie, thank you very much for being on our walk today. Uh, amazing. You know, you're someone that would have never done this in front of a huge crowd of people. No. You know, or not yet. 
No, uh, that's the right answer. But just listening to you, man, during this podcast, and I think Sue would agree with me, you've got a gift at, at speaking, giving your testimony. So hopefully one day you might be preaching this to hundreds of people, mm. touching them in, in, in person, you know, <laughs> not via podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, you're talking about pushing yourself. I think that's that's it. Pushing yourself to get on stage and tell everyone. No, I'm joking. <laughs> maybe one, <laughs> one day. day. One day, one day, I'd like to, yeah. That'd be great. That'd be amazing. So, Jamie, thank you very much for sharing your story with us. It has been amazing, and I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate to a lot of what you've said, and it'll be very encouraging for a lot of people. So thank you very much. Uh, and thank you very much, dear listeners, for listening to us and Jamie and stay, sticking with us through to this point. Uh, as always, you can get in touch with us. You can email ourwalkpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at ourwalkpod. And you can find us on Facebook. Just search Our Walk. And this week, we've got a question for you. Which bit of Jamie's testimony most impacted you? If you could let us know, get in touch. That would be fantabulous, which isn't a word, but it should be. Yeah, don't use that again. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening. We will be back very shortly. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.